Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 181. I have a fantastic guest today. He is an author of a brand new book called What If? Building Students Problem Solving Through Complex Challenge. But before we get to that, I want to, guys, say thank you for joining us today and welcome to a brand new school year. There's a lot of great stuff happening, especially on TeacherCast. Last week, we, of course, had a fantastic podcast all about screenwriting and how you can teach your kids how to write in long form. Of course, we're definitely going to get into some writing tips and tricks for your students today. But I want to remind you guys that we have two other great podcasts that are running. We have our Ask the Tech Coach show that we release on Tuesdays. If you're an instructional technology coach or if you're running professional development in your building, it is the perfect podcast for you. And if you're looking to create your own podcast or do something with audio and video in your classroom, you can check out Educational Podcasting Today. That's educationalpodcasting.today. You can certainly find out everything you need to know about how to build a great podcast and make a fantastic website for yourself. I want to bring on today a brand new ASCD author, Dr. Ronald Baghetto. Ron, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Jeff. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to meet you. You've got a, a great background, and I'm excited about this brand new book that's coming out at the end of August. Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about the book. So um, I started my career out as a classroom teacher. I'm a, currently a professor of educational psychology and director of innovation house at the University of Connecticut. And I study creativity in educational settings. And I've been doing that um, in my career. It was kind of an interest that was sparked as a teacher, actually. And then that's what actually brought me back to graduate school is to really kind of explore that. And so um, ever since that time, I've really immersed myself in the creativity literature. I'm the editor of the Journal of Creative Behavior. But again, my focus is really on, you know, how do we kind of bring out the creativity that's already there um, with teachers and students in educational contexts. I love the idea of bringing out creativity, right? Like that's all it's about. If we can get our kids to be excited about something, if we can get our kids to be creative about something, we are going to be able to have them just do whatever they're dreaming about. But the question is here, Ron, how do we do that? Yeah, so I think, you know, the truth is kids and teachers are already being really creative. So part of it is just recognizing when it happens um, and recognizing in ourselves and our students and really creativity is, um, to put simply, is just a blend between um, predetermined criteria, which we all as educators are really good at specifying or somebody specifies those for us, um, and then finding new and different ways of meeting those criteria. That's what creativity is about, finding a different way, creating an opening, a different way to meet those criteria and often in unexpected ways too. So that's really as, um, as simple as it gets. And so that's defined within whatever assignment, task, context that we're working in. And so, um, and we've all probably experienced that in our classrooms, whenever a kid comes up with an unusual way of doing things, but still meets that criteria, that kid's being creative. And then certainly as educators, we are creative in the ways we try to engage students, design lessons, design our rooms, design the learning experiences. So part of it is just taking the time and saying, hey, that was really creative, or here's a creative approach that I want to try out, right? And so I think it's just about um, trusting ourselves and trusting our students to try to do things differently while still meeting those criteria. You know, you keep saying the word creative, and a couple shows ago we had John Cow on, and he was talking about innovative and being yes. an, an innovation. Is there a difference between creativity and innovation? And if so, where is that dividing line? 
Yeah, we might as well throw another word in their imagination. So let's talk about the blend between those three. So one of my colleagues here at the University of Connecticut, Joe Renzulli, and I worked on a project that we called the Imagination, Creativity, and Innovation Index. And it was a way for schools and teachers and classrooms just to kind of monitor the things they're already doing to create opportunities. And the way we define imagination is just the ability to generate new possibilities. So imagination is kind of that first step in the creative process um, is generating new possibilities, thinking about, okay, if this is the way it is, how could it be different? How should it be different? And that's kind of the title of my book, What If. What If is a great prompt for engaging in possibility thinking. So if you think about imagination, it's generating new possibilities, envisioning new possibilities, imagining new possibilities. Then creativity is taking those ideas and putting them into action. So creativity really is about taking a possibility uh, amongst many and saying, okay, I'm gonna see if this fits for this particular task, right? So it's, it's not just the possibility, it's about really trying to put that to use. And then beyond that is, what is the impact? So the way we define it is innovation is really about the impact something makes. So even if one of your students shares out an idea that's new and meaningful, that's certainly creative, but what if that new idea actually impacts the learning of another kid? So another kid's like, oh, wow, I get it now. Then that would be innovation in the classroom. So it could be that small scale. So it's really the impact it's having. And um, a lot of my work, and including what I talk about in this book, is about helping kids make that kind of impact in and beyond the classroom. And ideally making impacts that benefit the learning and lives of others, um, even beyond a project or activity. So that would be the blend, you know, generating the idea, you know, kind of taking that idea and putting it into action, either by sharing it out or building something, and then making an impact um, in the world. Is this something you can teach? Like, I, you know, we were talking earlier, I've got four-year-old triplets. Can I sit here today and teach them how to be creative? Can I teach them how to have an imagination? I mean, look, it's easy to put the kids in front of Mr. Rogers and yeah. <laughs> imagine it, like all that great stuff. Right, right. But is that bringing out creativity or is that teaching creativity? Yeah. Is, is there a difference there? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good distinction, Jeff. So really, um, they're already imaginative. They're already creative. They already are becoming creative. So really, it's about helping them understand when they're being creative. And there are some strategies and so on to help kids be more imaginative. Um, and part of it also is knowing when not to be creative. So one of the favorite little thought experiments that I often use, I was just um, flying on an airplane recently. Um, there's a time when it's not necessary to be creative, and sometimes it could be even um, counterproductive. And so, for example, on a routine flight, the last thing you want is a pilot to come on and say, hey, this is a routine flight, here's a body of water, I have this creative water landing, let's try it. You know, forget it, no way, why would you do that? But if the plane was in trouble, then by all means, right? So it's about thinking about when is it um, necessary to try to do something different, and when is it okay and sometimes necessary to do what's expected. And this is actually a conversation I have with my own daughter and with my own students, is when sometimes kids do things differently, um, when it's not necessary or could even be disruptive, just letting them know that this might not be the context for doing that. So one of the things that teachers love doing every week is lesson planning. But in your yes. book, you talk about lesson unplanning. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, we're taught to plan lessons um, and really kind of engineer uncertainty out of uh, our lessons and activities. And that kind of makes sense because we don't want classroom chaos. But what we also do, if we plan everything for students, so I also talk about over planning, what we do is we engineer out uncertainty. And so if we think about, okay, what really does trigger 
creativity. When do we need to be creative? When do we need to think and act in different ways? It's when we're facing uncertainty, right? So that's when we need to be creative. And so we encounter uncertainty, but what I'm arguing for is as teachers, we can actually design uncertainty into lessons in an otherwise supportive and highly structured learning experience. So typically we define, we predefine everything. Here's the problem you need to solve. Here's the way you need to solve it. Here's what the product's gonna look like. And here are the criteria. And so I asked the question of what if we just started unplanning some of those components? So like if you teach a kid one way to solve a math problem, lesson unplanning would say, okay, now the next step is I want you to come up with as many different ways as possible for doing this. Or why don't you come up with your own problem? So that's introducing uncertainty in there, but we're still providing instructional support and still putting the criteria. And so the book really is about how do we move from um, overplanned, highly routine activities and start developing these complex tasks that can actually require students to put their learning to creative use and all the way up to what I call legacy challenges, which push learning and creativity out into the world and in the effort to make a lasting and positive difference. Yeah, but Ron, I've been teaching for a hundred years and I'm getting yes. tired next week. And you know, <laughs> these are all great ideas. Number one, does it really work? And number two, why? Why should I try? Well, yeah. Well, I applaud you for teaching a hundred years. That's, that's I hope you've got a nice tie tack or something for that. So yes, that's a great question. Here's, here's if we back up even further. So why does this, any of this even matter? I think that's a really important question as we think about this. So, you know, what is the goal what is, of education that we're, that we're engaged in? And all the, while there's different goals of education, one I think we can all agree on, it's about preparing young people for the future. And the future is unknown, and so is the present. And so the question is, how can we prepare young people to productively navigate uncertainty if we never give them practice doing so? And so what this does is it provides practice for students to learn how to develop the confidence and confidence necessary to respond to uncertainty and at the same time learn, right? So if you do this kind of work, you're also getting learning, but you're also developing kids' ability to solve problems and do so in creative ways. So here's a, a one way to think about this. If we teach a kid one way of solving a problem, and the typical approach is to assign maybe 12 practice problems and say, okay, now solve those 12 practice problems this one way. What if we instead, or in addition to also say, okay, um, here's one problem. Let's see if you can come up with 12 or more ways of solving it. Now the question would be, in what case are they gonna learn more? And the answer is probably a blend of the two. I mean, it's good to rehearse a, a tried and true strat strategy, but they're gonna learn a lot more also from kind of trying to come up with as many ways as they can, sharing those out with each other. So a kid that could come up with three ways and another kid that can come up with seven ways, the kid that came up with three ways is gonna learn four more ways. And the beautiful thing about this too, is we as teachers are gonna also have an opportunity to learn from our students. Our students might come up with ways and they often do come up with ideas that we never even considered that are still relevant. So that's why I think it matters. I, I, I love the way that you talk about all this stuff with the creativity, with the lesson unplanning. And I love that concept about the legacy challenges because there's a lot of teachers out there that are trying to be innovative in the classroom, but they're really just looking for that one thing. Talk to us a little bit about your book here. And, and number one, where can we all, where can we get the book? So you can get the book on Amazon. Um, and I think the pre-order link is, is now live and available. And you can certainly get it from ASCD's um, store, their website as well. 
Now, you've written a lot of publications. Why was it important to have this book published with ASCD? Well, um, ASCD is a great outlet. It has a lot of reach um, in classrooms. And part of it, too, is a lot of educational leaders um, are readers of ASCD materials. And I think it's really critical that teachers and educational leaders in the building are on board with this kind of work. Um, that's not to say that a teacher can't do this work on their own. And I think oftentimes they need to. Um, teachers can make a huge difference, but I think it's it's always a better situation when you have an educational leader in the building who's also endorsing the kind of work you're doing. And so, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, please. Okay, so what I was going to say is one of the reasons why I decided to write this book is, you know, I do a lot of research um, in the field of creativity and education, and I think it's really cr critical for researchers to kind of, especially educational researchers, is to take that work and make it um, available for teachers in ways that make sense and actually draw on the work that teachers are already doing. So this book is um, a combination of my own work, but it's also my work with teachers. And so you'll see a lot of teachers' voices in there. You'll see a lot of educational leaders' voices in there and examples from students. And so this is a way to kind of bring these ideas to life and actually test my ideas out that might be you know, based on theory and research I always want to bring it back to the classroom. So that's my commitment coming from education. But I think we have to do research that actually matters and can be put into use on Monday morning. Talking today to Dr. Ron Baghetto, and we're talking a little bit about creativity here, Ron. When it comes to these types of things, what can we as teachers do to bring these things out because it's easy to talk about a kid who, you know, you, you throw them Minecraft or some Legos and suddenly they're just bursting with creativity. I, I'm not, again, I'm not talking again about the I've been doing this 100 years, you can't make me, but but even the new teachers coming out that are so into this, I, I got to get it right, I'm a new teacher, yeah. I got tenure laws, I got all these different, how do we get creativity even from our youngest of educators? Yeah, I think we have to start with ourselves as educators. And, you know, a little exercise that I don't talk about in this book, but I've, I just recently wrote about and I've been using with teachers recently is called My Favorite Failure. So I think a great first day of class thing to do instead of playing like people bingo or something like that is to do this exercise called my favorite failure. And, and we start as the teacher in the classroom. And so the idea is you talk about um, something that you've done that was a failure that didn't work out, right? Um, how you felt in that moment. So what happened? How did you feel? What did you learn from that situation and about that situation? What did you learn about yourself and why is it your favorite? and then invite our students to do that same sort of thing. So when we do that, we're creating a classroom where we say, look, failure happens. It happens a lot when we're trying to do new things. It happens a lot when we're trying to learn. And we all do it, including teachers. And so let's be honest about it. Let's talk about sometimes the negative emotions that come with it, and let's get prepared for that. And then I think with all the kinds of things that are in schools like growth mindset and grit, um, that really actually puts the stories behind that because it's great that we tell kids, okay, you're not good at that yet, but that doesn't take the sting away of a kid not making a, a team or failing a test. Um, and it just kind of falls flat. But if we've told honest stories about our own failures as, as learners, as teachers, and we invite that into our classroom, then we can kind of normalize that process. So I think that's the first step is to cre really create a space 
where we're going to be honest about, look, there's going to be struggles in here. I struggle sometimes. Things that I try out don't always work out. It doesn't, it's not always fun. It doesn't always feel good. But this is what I learned from it. We can always learn from that. And so one of the models I have at Innovation House at the University of Connecticut with my students is, you know, this may not work, but we're going to learn from it. Right. So just having those kind of mantras, but importantly, the stories to wrap around it. So then once you have that, the next thing is um, to remember that the way to build a trusted environment and to take risks is to start by taking risks. We sometimes think I need to build trust in this classroom first before I ask students to take risks or before I take risks as a teacher. The truth is it's the exact opposite. There's actually some compelling work that demonstrates that if you take risks first, that's how you build trust. So that's something I think we want to keep in mind and then just start doing things differently. Take a lesson that you already know um, hasn't worked in the past or kids don't like or maybe you don't even like teaching and try a little lesson on planning. Remove a component, invite the students in and then then start kind of building from there into a, a bigger challenge like a legacy challenge. You know, I love that you're talking about the idea of building through story. And, and I want to connect this to our episode last week where we were talking about how to write, you know, screenplays, playwrights, all, all longer things. And the concept that we were talking about in our last episode was if you start with a compelling story and you work through it, you know, you build through an outline, you're going to keep your audience's attention. You're going to be creative with that. So I want to ask you the same question that I asked our guest, Doug Keith, last week. How did you start this process? Did you come up with the idea? Did you outline it? What is the idea when you're sitting down to write one of your publications? So I do start with an idea, but I also, I think you always have to do, I mean, like any creative endeavor, you have to leave room for things to emerge and take their own shape. But part of it is having, yes, kind of having a general sense of, okay. And for me, it was starting with, you know, some of the experiences my daughter was having in school, for example. Um, She got in trouble when she was in like third grade for you know, passion said something like, you know, this class is a worksheet factory. I hate this worksheet factory or something like that. Um, and those conversations I had with her about, you know, a time and a place, but really she had some legitimate concerns about like, when are we ever going to use this information? I mean, here she's doing things going on YouTube, um, making her own, you know, DIY stuff and then feeling like, you know, I just don't have a chance to do anything that I want to do in school. And so that tension with her, plus my own research and my work with teachers and students and thinking about, okay, how can we create ways in our curriculum right now, not someday, but right now where students can actually identify problems that matter to them. And this is where we get to legacy challenges, right? So that was another piece of it. Identify problems that matter to students, have them explain why those problems matter, come up with a a way to address that problem. And most importantly, try to make a lasting and positive contribution. So kind of having those ideas, testing those out in my own classes at the university, testing those ideas out with practicing teachers um, and just gathering their stories. And then what it like anything, it just takes sitting down and blocking out time. And because, you know, we're all busy, I usually have to do I'm not a morning person. But what I do is I usually exercise, think about what I'm going to write that day go to the computer and write a minimum of 30 minutes. And I just try to do that every single day, no matter what, right? Just like anything, it just has to be a habit. And I think if you do that, then those ideas start coming, things start taking shape and then inviting other voices in, right? Testing those ideas out, sharing those ideas out. And that kind of helps build the kind of content and to help the writing take shape. But there's no substitute just to doing a little bit every day. And that's the same thing with legacy challenges. You could build a powerful project that actually makes a 
powerful difference in a community, even if you spend 10, 15 minutes a week with your students on it. In homeroom, a Friday five minute thing. It's amazing what you can do if you just kind of persistently do it over time, over an entire year. The book is called What If? Building Students' Problem-Solving Skills Through Complex Challenges. The author is the great Dr. Ron Baghetto. Ron, where else can we find you? What is your website address? My website address is simply www.ronaldbaghetto, just one word, .com. Excellent. And of course, we're going to have all the links, plus how you can purchase his book from ASCD and Amazon on our show notes. This is TeacherCast Podcast 181. Ron, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jeff. It's been a blast. And of course, we want to say thank you out there for taking the moment to make TeacherCast part of your professional development. We have some great shows coming up through the month of September and October. It is just getting started as our school year gets moving through the first marking period. On behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students.